Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. So, as you know, we've been studying the um, Emotionally Spiritually Healthy Woman, and this Sunday we have even more TED Talks on today, and um, they're sitting so wonderfully over there waiting, and I know that they will do well. Thank you, God. Um, we have the first person is Miss Benitra McGowan. Quit over-functioning. How many of you know sometimes we just do a little bit too much, and we need to slow down and let people take responsibility for their own actions? Do we not do that? So Miss Benitra is going to come to us, and she's going to talk about that a little bit on today. Benitra is the mother of three amazing children, Kennedy, David, and Carter. She holds a BA in community leadership and development from Alverna University. She is owner of Inspire, Inc., LLC, and is a lead crisis stabilizer and group facilitator for Riverstone Crisis and Counseling Services. Benitra enjoys spending time with her babies. Praise God. Spend time with your babies, both biological and the ones that she works with. She also enjoys art, reading, and taking naps. So come on, Sister Benitria. We got you in prayer. We're going to uphold you while you allow God to use you. Amen. Amen for the millennials. Amen. My name is Benitria, and I'm a recovering overfunctioner. I went for severe to moderate overfunctioning over the course of two years. Prior to that, you could have seen me like literally everywhere. So I thought that because God was using me and that I wanted to help everybody, I was supposed to be everywhere. I thought that it meant to be a Christian, if you see a need, you're supposed to feel the need. So I learned the hard way, um, like through my babies, through my body, <laughs> and through everything, just that that's not what God meant when he said we are supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. What the Bible actually tells us is that we are supposed to be the hand or a foot. So if we look at Romans um, 12, 3 through 8, that's the next slide, okay? It says, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. This is our, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. 
in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if you prophesy, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith God has given. And if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If your gift is a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraging others, encourage well. If your gift is giving, give generously. And if God has given you the leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do so gladly. We each have a different role in the body. And if we get out of place, then we affect our whole body. In the Emotionally Healthy Woman, chapter Quit Overfunctioning, Jerry explains how overfunctioning destroys community, breeds resentment, and strains your spirituality. So in 2016, God exposed all the ways that I was trusting in myself and not trusting in him. He also showed me that I was in a lot of places that he wasn't even in. So I had to just really like dial back and spend some time with him. So in that quiet time with God, he really showed me what it means to have an authentic relationship. He told me that he loved me. He told me that he cared for me. He told me that he was pleased with me. And so I was able to find my purpose, and that's encouraging others and being there for people. I'm a helper. I'm a giver. So God knows that I'm able to do that, but he also showed me to set limits and set healthy boundaries. So because I'm a giver, a lot of people pull on me, and God was telling me, like, hey, that's not what I have for you. You have to stay focused on what I have for you for this season. So I had a season where I was in ministry and doing a whole bunch of stuff. I had a season where he told me, okay, it's time out for that. You have babies. You have stuff that you need to do with them. Right now, I have a 13-year-old, 11-year-old, and a 6-year-old. They all have milestones. My daughter just turned a teenager. My son just started middle school, and my youngest just started first grade. So God showed me, like, slow down. This is about them. This is about their purpose. This is about what they have. So he showed me... <laughs> So he also showed me not to be a helicopter parent, though, either, because I wanted them to be perfect. When you see my kids, you know, like, straighten up, do what you need to do. So God had to show me, like, the biggest thing that you can do for them is pray for them and point them to me. So I started showing my kids how to spend time with God. They have their own quiet time. They have their own Sabbath day. And I honor that, and they honor mine as well. So when I was reading this chapter, I'm like, okay, God, I got this. I know how to stop overfunctioning. So I took this quiz that was in there, and I was still moderate at overfunctioning. And I was like, God, how you want me to talk about something that I'm still moderate in? I don't understand. <laughs> so he had to show me, like, this is about my glory. This is not about you. So when you're weak, I'm strong. So read the chapter and see what you need to do. So I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to read it. I started laughing because God always tells me jokes. He loves me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm reading the chapter, and I'm like, oh, okay, I got it. So after I admitted that I was still overfunctioning, God showed me that it was really three more steps that I had to do to stop overfunctioning. So the first step is I had to unleash the earthquake. So this is where I had to tell people what I was and wasn't going to do. I did do it in love, though. I wasn't like, what I'm not going to do is. I didn't do that. <laughs> so what I did was like, okay, this is what I can do. This is what I can do. Um, I'm not overfunctioning anymore, and that's not what God is telling me to do this season. So I had to be prepared to, to do that. That also meant with my kids. I used to dress my six-year-old. He's six. He knows how to put his clothes on. And I really was, like, dressing him, putting his clothes on him, tying his shoes. And then I realized one day when his teacher was, Telling me about his shoes, I'm like, oh, this is what they meant by destroying community. Because she is spending three and four times tying this baby shoe because he's supposed to be tying it on his own. And yes, you can ask Siri for 
those who have iPhones and y'all who haven't caught the iPhone revelation, catch up. But, um, <laughs> but you can ask Google and it'll tell you like six is an age appropriate way for you to tie your shoes. Like, so if your kid is six and they're not tying their shoes, do us all a favor and teach them, please. Um, <laughs> but seriously, if you have children, give them age appropriate chores and responsibilities. If you have a spouse, share the load in taking those responsibilities with your children. If you have grown children, let them live their best life. Not at your expense, though. God has a plan and a purpose for them. And the sooner they stop depending on you, they'll be able to depend on God, and you'll be able to see the fruits of your prayers that you've been praying for. Sometimes the best thing you can do is set boundaries for those you love and pray for them. I learned that I was an intercessor for the people who I loved and even the kids that I work with. So instead of me trying to do things for them and trying to get them to understand things and trying to just drill it in their head, God showed me that I needed to come to him because I wasn't the answer. God was. So just showing them like, okay, you need to go to God versus going to me. No, I'm not the answer. No, I can't do this for you. No, I can't do that for you. This is about God. Um, and that's what worked for me. So after um, I unleashed the earthquake, I prepared for chaos. So when you're over-functioning, the people who are under-functioning, they are not going to be happy. They are going to be upset. Then I'm like, you was just doing all of this. Now you want to change. Now you want to act all uppity and stuff like that. I had a lot of people telling me that I changed and I was acting funny and I was real churchy and I didn't care. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is what this is. But it's because I prepared for it. I, I know what my purpose is and that's what I was doing. Okay, so the final step was I stand firm. So we're gonna go to Ezekiel first. Um, 47 verses one through 10. So in that, in that scripture, I'm gonna just paraphrase it since I don't see it on the screen. <laughs> so this is talking about the healing water of God. Um, Ezekiel had a vision of a river and it was flowing eastward from the sanctuary and at first it was up to his ankles then it went up to his knees then it went up to his waist and finally he wasn't able to swim through it so the man told him like have you been paying attention and then he went back and he was like I was surprised by all the trees that I saw that were growing from this living water so then it was a, um, a reference about how everybody would be able to eat from this living water and how things would be healed and would grow from it. So I believe that this is a representation of how we're supposed to be when we're staying afloat in the presence of God. If we're looking at God and doing what we are supposed to do and we're walking in his purpose for us, we'll be able to not only get the stuff that we need for ourselves, but other people will be able to eat off of us too. So there was another illustration in verse 11, though, and it talked about the swamps and the marshes. They were still muddy. And I'm like, God, why? Why is this still muddy? If this is the living water over here, why is it still muddy? And um, the next day I woke up and it was uh, in Revelations. It was talking about how the throne had living water flowing through it. And all those who like believed and stayed firm with God, they would be healed on, in heaven. And then it also showed that the people, it said, like, if you're doing evil, then keep doing evil. But if you're doing righteous, then keep being righteous. So God had to show me that salt in that marsh is when people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're not focusing on God, when they're like believing in their own, whatever they think is right. So in Luke chapter 10, verses 40, that was Martha. She was mad because Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. She like, tell her to help me. And he like, no, I'm not going to take her from sitting away from my presence. So sometimes we have to remind ourselves like, 
We need to be in God's presence. As much as we spend time with other people, we need to spend that time with God. God is your best friend. Like, you need to really focus on him. And as much as time as you spend on Facebook and with other people, you have to fill that time with God. I was looking at my weekend. I'm like, okay, God, if I'm spending this much time on Facebook, my phone gives me another blessing of the iPhone. It gives me a screen report of how much time that I spent on my phone. And I'm like, this is not adding up. If I'm spending more time on Facebook than in my quiet time with God, I need to really get it together and reevaluate. So um, Martha was an example of the marsh. She was thinking like, this is where I needed to be. I need to be preparing this table. We got guests. We have all of this stuff. But God was like, no, you really just need to take this opportunity because I'm about to go away. And I'm not going to take this from Mary because she received that revelation. So my last couple slides are the overfunctioning inventory. So I want to invite everybody to take a second and examine themselves once we put the, the slides up. It's like the last three slides. There we go. So take a second and look. And if you check more than three of these, then there's a really high probability that you are overfunctioning. You can go to the next one. And then the last one. So once you admit that you're overfunctioning, you're only three steps away on your road to recovery. That's it. Amen. Thank you, Sister Benitria. Excellent job. So now we have another awesome speaker, Sister Kyra Wright. Quit dying to the wrong things. The wrong things, man. We need to die to self. We've been dying to the wrong things and doing whatever we want to do instead of what God wants us to die to. Sister Kyra Wright is a creative and innovative leader who has evolved her career from marketing and broadcasting to nonprofit management. Kara has developed various community partnerships with the Y United Way of Greater Milwaukee and Waukesha counties, and currently as a third shift crisis manager for Impact 211. Kyra is married to Tim Wright, Minister Tim Wright, may I add, and is a proud mother of two wonderful, busy little boys, two preachers in the making. Most importantly, Kyra has a heart for Jesus Christ and a passion to serve. So let's support Sister Kyra Wright. Amen for the millennials, intergenerational. Amen. Sister Charlotte was taking the mic with her. <laughs> um, praise God for this wonderful opportunity and being here. Um, okay, so I'm still kind of nervous because I don't even know why Bishop selected me to be up here. I told him I thought the email was from my husband, not for me. Um, hi, y'all. You got to be quiet, okay? Um, 
So to God be the glory. Thank you so much, um, Bishop and Pastor Judy, for giving me the opportunity to be up here. I'm going to make this quick. I'm going to have fun because it's probably going to be my last time and ain't going to ask me to do this never no more. So. Um, just real quick, I want to bow my head. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity and this time. I thank you for the word. I ask that you just use me, Lord. Hide me behind your cross. Take away any butterflies or nervousness that I may have, Lord God, and just work everything out for your name. May there be a word of grace and peace that goes forth for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I set my timer to be obedient because they said 10 minutes, but it's going off already. I accidentally set it for one minute. Okay, so real quick, I'm talking about um, chapter three of the emotionally healthy woman, okay? So let me just preference. When I got the text, I promised I thought it was from my husband because it came from Tim. It's a long story. But at that time in my house, there were two unemotionally healthy women. One was me. The other was my mother-in-law because we were planning a surprise birthday party for my husband. And she was arguing with me about the senior saints, y'all understand, those who make homemade potato salad still. My mother-in-law was arguing with me because she had come up from Tennessee and she was making this world-famous potato salad. But we had been to three stores because apparently you can't make true traditional southern potato salad with russet potatoes. It has to be a perfect Idaho potato. Okay? So in the midst of finding imperfect Idaho potatoes... I got this email that said, you're supposed to speak. And I honestly thought it was not for me because part of what I was doing at that moment was what the chapter is about. I was devaluing myself and I'm like, oh, they don't want me to do that. They want him. That's for my husband. Because we do that a lot of times as women. So eventually, after I wrapped my mind around it, I'm like, they want me to do this? Are they sure he got the right one? So I kept thinking about it. I'm like, when am I going to get the time? I work third shift. I got two kids. I got a newborn. I'm breastfeed. I mean, just everything going on in life, you know? Well, my husband said, tell you what, we go into New York next week, and we go to New York. That's your time. I got the kids. Um, just relax. And Manuel, don't make me come down there. Be quiet. And so he said, I got the kids. I just, I downloaded everything to your phone. You go ahead and read. So I said, okay, I'm going to read. Long story short, I'm reading it. This is how divine connection works when you know something is of God. So as I'm reading the chapter, I'm reading about this middle-aged white lady that I'm like, Bishop got us reading this. I'm still reading. We were in New York, 20 miles up the street from her church. So I'm like, okay, that's divine connection. So then as I continue reading, I'm like, let me research a little bit more. As I researched even more, I read her husband's testimony where the wife had just gotten so fed up to the point. She's like, Jesus, I can't take this no more. We had a productive church. I'm giving all this to you, but I'm dying on the inside because I constantly give of myself. When she had her moment to come to, guess when it was, y'all? It was January 2nd, 1996, which was my 16th birthday. So I further went, I said, okay, Jesus, you must want me to say something about this. <laughs> because that's the divine connection that the Holy Spirit uses. So as I kept reading, I was like, God, this is so real to me. How is it that this lady across the country in New York is going through the same things that I'm going through right now in 2018? And as I kept reading, I'm like, that book sounds familiar. It sounds like one of my girlfriends. I know the woman that she was talking about. And the Holy Spirit politely tapped me on the shoulder and said, no, she talking about you. 
That's who she talking about. Not your girlfriends, it's you. You're the one that's constantly dying to the wrong things. And I said, well, I am God. And as I kept reading, it just brought illuminated light and it showed me I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I'm overwhelmed, I'm resentful. And slowly but surely, I was losing my authentic joy in Christ because I'm dying to the wrong things. And you may ask yourself, what are some of those wrong things that you're actually dying to? Some of those things that we end up dying to that are the wrong things that we tend to wonder what makes us feel this way are things like judging and complaining. We die to the wrong things sometimes when we think we have to be a good Christian. And part of that is not knowing how to say no. We always say yes, even when it means I'm going to have to sacrifice my family and things that I need to do or even things for myself. And when we continue to die to the wrong things, we misunderstand and interpret in our own light what the word of God is saying. The scripture, in, um, and I just want to preface, I'm not as organized as my fellow speakers. Mine was real ghetto. Um, but <laughs> the scripture in Mark 8, the author talks about she died because she lived that word. She tried her hardest. It said, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That doesn't mean getting rid of the things that bring you joy. Think about this. King David loved to sing. He was a singer. He was a poet. If he would have gave up the things that brought him joy to be a warrior, we wouldn't have half the book of Psalms. He didn't give up that part of himself. But as women, we typically give that up because we put everybody else before we put ourselves. So I'm like, okay, God, I get this book. I get it. And I'm like, well, why is it that so many of us are going through the same walk? It doesn't matter if we're 50, 15, 25. What's going on? Because we're not using the Holy Ghost to interpret. For a lot of us, it, my husband, we laugh about this. The Holy Ghost is kind of how my son says. He pretends that he walks around, put a towel on his head. He go, mommy, mommy, I'm the Holy Ghost, boo. I'm the Holy Ghost, boo. And I'm like, baby, that is not the Holy Ghost. <laughs> So, <laughs> he think he is so funny, but, uh, <laughs> but we think the Holy Ghost is something scary and we don't realize it's there to help us interpret the word and it's there to help us to understand what the word of God is saying in our lives. So, as I continue with... What the speaker was talking about, she, the author was talking about, she was going on and saying how a lot of us, we even think that being busy makes us be a good Christian. Nope. Sorry news is it doesn't. Having a full calendar makes us look like a lot of people love us and I have goodness. No, those are all the false pretenses that we use, that we measure as our personal litmus test. And that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with how we're impacting and loving on the people of God. Here's the thing. I used to hate it. I remember it was so funny. Uh, Sister Benitra and I went through the encounter together. And I remember um, Sister Charlotte was there and Pastor Mary and all these people. And I remember they asked, get up and say something afterwards. I said, I hate it when the church sing that song, fill me up, because it just get on my nerves. But I realized at that moment from the Holy Spirit, that's what I needed. Too many of us is given on an empty cup. You can't make Kool-Aid with a half glass. You need a whole pitcher. 
And you have to remember as mothers, as wives, as women, we're the pitcher. We got to stop pouring from empty cups. So one of the things that we also do is juggling too many things without complaining. Because we hear that scripture about, you know, no murmuring and complaining in Philippians. And I'm like, okay, God, I try not to murmur and complain, but guess what? I still do it because I'm still giving off my empty cup. So now it becomes, well, I don't know why I got to do this. One of the things that I noticed is asking God, well, what does it mean when we're juggling too many things? How are we dying from that? And, and the Holy Spirit just kind of broke it down. And this is real smart and real easy, okay? Chick-fil-A just sells chicken. They don't sell hamburgers. They don't sell ham sandwiches. They don't do anything else. They sell that one thing, and they do it what? Well. Chick-fil-A, according to Huffington Post in 2014, had approximately only 1,900 stores U.S.Y. Why? Because, and they only open six days a week because the owner is a Sunday school teacher. Mr. Kathy dedicated that one day to the Lord. They were outperforming by millions, most of the other restaurants, on average from just their six, this is 2014, okay? On average, just their six restaurants were making 3.1, for being open six days, they were making $3.1 million a year. That's more than KFC was making only 969,000. So what's that saying to me? I take the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that we say every day. But guess what? That don't mean that I could be the security, an armor bearer, working the usher. <laughs> I can't do all of that. Let me do the one thing that God has put on me and let me do that one thing well. Let me get in my corner and sell my chicken sandwiches. You can sell the ham sandwiches because that ain't my specialty. Some of us just mess up because we feel like we got to be in everything. And what happens is it causes more confusion and drama and mess. When guess what? We're not driving in our lane. <laughs> the busier we are, the more spiritual we think we are. And that's not true. We believe the false truth that is unselfish to sacrifice our time, then we must be good Christians. This is also not true. Even Jesus had perimeters on his time. Pastor Jay talked about that a couple weeks ago. If Christ the Savior knew enough to go away and go to the Garden of Gethsemane, why can't we have time? We might not have the time that we want because we got other people in our lives, but you can have your time in the shower. You can have your time. I used to never understand when my grandmother didn't be singing, humming, washing dishes. That was her time. Make sure that you put boundaries on your time because think of it this way. The way that we love and respect ourselves is the way that other people will love and respect us. In closing, our author talks about understanding when things when we're dying to the wrong things we give away our joy and what is that our joy is Jesus first other second and yourself last
Typically, as women, we always do this. And when we hear in the scripture, in Philippians 2 through 4, and it talks about in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of others, this is not talking about putting everybody else before us. I mean, it gets to the point sometimes where I wonder, just getting to church sometimes, did I remember my deodorant? Because I had to pack diapers and bottles and <laughs> snacks and everything else for everybody. But we have to take care of ourselves. I think Pastor Jay preached a couple weeks ago when he showed the video. You have to put your air mask on before you can save somebody else. So it's too many Christians going out here that are half full, we're frustrated, we're overwhelmed, we're dying to the wrong things, but we want to save everybody and we're wondering why nobody's getting saved. We're not authentic, we're not living the right life. As I continue to read the chapter, I realized girlfriend was preaching to the choir. Because one of the things that hit me the hardest was when she was talking about her own struggles and how she, just like me, was less than 20 credits away from getting her master's degree. She allowed life, grief, and everything else to get in the way and to override her own personal goals. When we die to the wrong thing, we ultimately end up in disobedience to God. And why, you may ask. Because everywhere in the Bible where it talks about giving, whether it's your time, your talent, your treasure, Jesus wants a cheerful giver. He doesn't want anybody giving begrudgingly. And so many of us are giving begrudgingly. Who want to come in to usher? Like, y'all sit over here if y'all want to. There's some seats right there. Don't nobody want that. You want somebody that's cheerful. One example, I used to never understand. I remember we first got married. It was a special, when my mother was alive, it was a special seven-flavored pound cake she would make for Tim, right? And so she, Tim would be like, oh, your mama going to make me some cake? My mother would never cook this cake if her spirit wasn't right. And I was like, mommy, what you mean? Why we got to wait a whole day for a cake? She would lay all the ingredients out, had the eggs out, everything she needed. But if she wasn't in the right spirit, she wouldn't cook it. And I said, Why? Because it comes out in your food. So that's an old lesson for y'all new millennials if you don't know. <laughs> so if you don't feel like cooking, just do some hamburger helper that night. <laughs> Dying to the wrong things can cause us to be bitter and frustrated. And also, we have to remember that there are some things that Christ asked us to die to. And dying to those right things are defensiveness, arrogance, hypocrisy, a judgmental spirit, and this last one hits home for me personally, gossip. Sister Charlotte mentioned that um, I had a broadcasting career. When I first met my husband, um, I was on a morning show in Detroit. We talked to over 800,000 people every morning. We were the top of the top morning show. I was the only African-American on the show. One of the things that has kept me out, and it's been the Holy Spirit convicting me, is because I was the gossip girl. So when you wanted to know about Britney Spears and who was doing what and messing with who and being with what, that was me. But what began to happen is God began to touch my heart. He began to show me that these are my children. Just because they're on drugs, just because they have problems. So I got convicted, and guess what? 
I didn't feel right talking about people I knew now. I didn't feel right talking about, even though they were celebrities, quote unquote, because I still knew they were struggling. I didn't feel good about reporting it. So even when we came here, we were actually looking at living in Racine because the rumor was I had a job in Chicago on the radio. And I told Tim, I said, yeah, I want to. It wasn't for me. And some things we have to understand. What God has for you, it is for you. Two weeks after I said, I don't want to be the gossip girl anymore because God has a greater calling on my life. And I can wait and trust you, God. And I can go through this season of being in the valley. Even though I don't have the fame and I don't have the microphone and I don't have people calling my name. I can go through this season, God, trusting you. And I've been through this season and I've been more blessed than I could ever imagine. I've been through this season and I can stand here like Nehemiah and say, Lord, I'm here to finish this wall, this assignment that you have me to do. And I can handle it, God. I can handle it because guess what? I'm showing my God that I'm faithful over the little bit. And when he gives me the greater, Lord, it's all yours. You take the glory, God. It don't have nothing to do with me. You have the glory. So really quickly, before we take our seats, I asked God, I said, God, why would you let Bishop pick me to do this? Like, I don't even want to get up there and play with you. I'm just keeping it. I ain't got no time. I work third shift. I'm sleepy half the time. And I was reading it, and my husband, he said, just go, just go. We were in the airport last week, and that was really, I'm not like the other speakers. I ain't have all that time to, to read and prepare and do slides. I literally picked it up last week and was reading it in the airport. And I said, Holy Spirit, I don't understand. Why am I just now finding out about this book when this was something that could have saved me three, four, or five years ago? And I kept asking God, and I said, why am I just now reading it? And why am I reading it in the airport of all places? And the Holy Spirit told me, because, because you needed to get where you're going. On every destination that you fly, you have to go through TSA. Anybody that's been to the airport. TSA stands for Transportation Security Administration, or other words, giving you a headache. But as believers... TSA for us stands for troubles, storms, and attacks. Something that all of us must go through as Christians. And I've heard bishops say numerous times over the last couple years, you're either going into a storm, you're coming through a storm, or you're coming out of it. I can't explain to you what it's like to have everybody calling your name in a big city. And then the next day you go to Google. You can Google yourself. And people say, well, what happened? Why did she get fired? Why is she not there? People making judgments about you that you don't even know. But those same people, last month they loved you. That's a storm. That's an attack. And I said, well, God, why are the people of Christ dying? 
because we're not using the Holy Spirit to go through our TSA as Christians, our trouble, storms, and attacks. And whenever we have to go through TSA, we mess up and we depend on us because why? We get tired, we get stressed, and we get angry. The Holy Spirit does not. That's why we need him to take us through. So as I continued reading, I found out that the author said, in order to stop dying to the wrong things, there's three things that we need to evaluate in order to safely get through any trouble, any storm, any attack, and to be emotionally healthy. One of those things she explained was we have to understand our heart. This is my heart that was made in children's church couple weeks ago or some time ago from my son and I kept saying oh it's cute but it's in pieces and the Holy Spirit told me there's so many of us that have pieces of our hearts that are patched and put together and torn but I can make it something the other thing that the speaker explained that we have to go through is knowing your personality what do you like? What do you don't like? Spend time. Understand the unique you that God made. Guess what? I'm an extrovert. I love to talk all the time. My husband, he's an introvert. He's going to sit down and process. But we work together. You have to understand the you that God made and all of your experiences that came to form your personality. And the last thing she said is you need to understand your story. When you reflect on your story, reflect on your influences that shaped your life. When I sit back and I reflect on my story, there's no way I could have imagined in 1996 on January 2nd that the little girl sitting crying on her bed on her 16th birthday because she didn't get what she wanted would be standing here today in front of you all talking about how to become an emotionally healthy woman. Thank you. Amen, amen, amen. Is this not good? We got some millennial preachers and teachers in the house. Yes, yes, and I received that word that's come forth today. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. So, now we're on our way home. We're going to have our sister Betty Hill with Quit Fearing What Other People Think About You. Sometimes we just need to just stop. All right? Let's not have other people be our crutch for operating in where God has us and wants us to be. So, Sister Nikki, Betty, Betty, Betty is a loving, family-oriented person. She is the founder and director of Power Girls. How many of you have heard of Power Girls? Facebook, I know you heard it and seen it, an organization focused on empowering and inspiring girls ages 6 through 12. So look her up if you have a daughter. Great mentorship. With a BA in community leadership development, Betty currently serves as a youth justice case manager with Southwest Key Programs. 
In each role Betty operates in, God is at the head of her life as she continues to allow, get this, the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ to shine in and through her. Amen? Like we all should do. So come on, Sister Betty. Amen for the millennials in the house. Amen. Alone. I'm scared, huh? Afraid, huh? <laughs> How long can you stay fresh in that can? <laughs> Come on, get up and fight, you shivering junkyard. Put your hands up, you lopsided bag of hay. Now, that's getting personal, Lion. Yes, get up and teach him a lesson. Well, what's wrong with you teaching him? Uh, well, well, I hardly know him. <laughs> well, I'll get you anyway, Kiwi. <laughs> Shame on you. What did you do that for? I didn't buy them. No, but you tried to. It's bad enough picking on a straw man, but when you go around picking on poor little dogs. Well, you didn't have to go and hit me, did you? Is my nose bleeding? Well, of course not. My goodness, what a fuss you're making. Well, naturally, when you go around picking on things weaker than you are, why, you're nothing but a great big coward. You're right. I am a coward. <laughs> I haven't any courage at all. I even scare myself. <laughs> Look at the cycles under my eyes. I haven't slept in weeks. <laughs> Why don't you try counting sheep? That doesn't do any good. I'm afraid of them. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Don't you think the wizard could help him, too? I don't see why not. Why don't you come along with us? We're on our way to see the wizard now, to get him a heart. And him a brain. I'm sure he could give you some courage. Well, wouldn't you feel degraded to be seen in the company of a cowardly lion? I would. <laughs> oh, of course not. <laughs> Gee, that's, that's awfully nice of you. My life has been simply unbearable. Oh, well, it's all right now. The wizard will fix everything. Thank you, media team. Thank, thank you, Nick, for making sure that came on. <laughs> all right, so um, the moment has come. Action time for me. Kara, that was so Indonesia. I'm just, just to follow up behind you, too. Oh, my God. But um, this movie was one of my favorite movies growing up. I mean, it used to scare me when I was younger, but as I got older. But I just wanted to take a look at the characteristics of the lion that we saw there and then the actual lion that God has created. The lion that we see here lacks courage, fearful, sleep-deprived, looking for others to say that he was okay. His emotions were just all over the place. He even said his life was unbearable. This lion has gave into fear. But the lion that we know that God has created is fearless. He doesn't fear any other animal that is created. He has raw power, strength, and lions do not lack sleep. They are not sleep deprived. 16 to 20 hours of sleep they get. If only we could get that, right? <laughs> lions are symbols of strength and courage, and they also have been strength or um symbols of royalty, and we know them as the king of the jungle. 
And so when I look at this metaphor and compare it to us as women, many times as women, including myself, we find ourselves living like the lion beneath our strengths. We, not, we don't allow our true attributes, our true characteristics, and the way that God has created us to be to actually prevail. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And a lot of times when we submit to that fear, we cloud that sound, that sound mind that he has given us. We, when we submit to fear, we begin to negate the very image that God has created us to live out just like the cowardly lion. The author, Jerry Scissero, shares that she wore many hats. Just like Kyra was just letting us know, she wore so many hats, she became miserable. She wore the hat of being the first lady, how she should look, how she should operate, how she should smile, and then being a mother. She was married, but she also explained how her being a mother, she felt like a single parent. And in that, she hit rock bottom. And when she hit rock bottom, she decided to say, I quit. She left the church. I was like, what? She went to her own church or to another church, and her husband was the pastor of that church. She made the decision to quit. She quit caring about what others think, no longer owning the yes hat, no longer owning the first lady hat of how I should look, how I should operate, who I should please today. <laughs> right, Miss Judy? <laughs> the people, people pleaser hat. Living in fear causes us to live up to other standards of us and dismissing God's standard for our lives. We are royalty. First Peter, First Peter 2 and 9 tells us that we are a royal priesthood. So remove those hats that we're wearing, the hats of stress, the hats of what people think about us, the hats that God never intended us to wear, and replace those hats with the crowns that God has already said we have. And so as Jerry Scissero in the book, she lets us know she hit rock bottom and she reflected. You know, why does it take us to hit rock bottom before we realize the truth of who we are? Fear. Fear is holding us hostage. A lot of times we allow fear of what others think. Even the fear we feed and the lies we tell ourselves to hold us hostage. Fear of what others, others think causes us to negate the very image that God created us in. As Genesis 1 and 27 tells us, we are made in God's very own image. Jerry Caceros also let us know when she hit rock bottom, she, she gained the freedom at that point to stop caring about what other people thought about her. But even when she hit rock bottom and she became, came back to the center of who God is to her, he began to show her, it's not just the hats that you were wearing, it's you. It's you. You have to look at what's in you. Why, why are you fearing? Why are you allowing these fears to take over? Why are you allowing these fears to negate who I said you are? And so she reminds us that relying on the approval of others to define our self-worth is a direct contradiction of God's word. She also says that our okayness, the way God made us, is good enough. And I think a lot of times, just even me as a woman, I forget that. Trying to accommodate other people, trying to figure out, okay, what should I wear this today? My first time in praise and worship last week, I'm like, 
do I got on the right clothes? Is somebody going to say? And sometimes, even he, like in church, sometimes we, we make each other feel like, okay, what's, you know, just judgmental. And it, it puts a wall up on that individual. And you miss out on what God actually has for you. And so, again, she reminds us that we are made in his image, God's image. And being made in God's image, we have inherent worth. We have inherent worth. Jesus died for us, and we have a new identity because he died for us. We are sacred treasures, infinitely valuable as human beings apart from anything we do. Infinite human beings apart from anything we do. So it don't matter our titles. It don't matter the kind of car we drive. It don't matter how much we try to put up this facade of who we might be. God, has, Jesus has already died and paid it all for us. And I recall multiple times, so I'm not coming, standing up here saying that I'm perfect because there's been multiple times in my life where I negated the very image that God created me to me. Uh, in my childhood, I think about times where I tried to fit in or even um, teenage, you know, you through that teenage years conforming and even early adulthood. But it wasn't really until in my earlier adulthood life where I just started praying this prayer. God, help me to see me how you see me. I want to love me how you love me. I want to move and have my being and how you created me to be. Not living up to other people's expectation of me, but what you desire for me to be. And so when I reflect back and I see that, God began to show me me. Even residual things that was in my heart, things that I was harboring that he began to re show me those things and then remove those things. And I began to come, become closer and closer and closer to him. And then I was able to be a vessel to be used by him. And even, even in being a vessel to be used by him, he's still, I'm growing, I'm evolving. So there's still things that he's working on. And just being transparent. This here, when, when Bishop sent me that, I looked at it. I didn't respond right away. And then he texted me, what's your email? And I saw the email. <laughs> And I'm like, am I going to do it? And I'm like, I'm going to do it because God is trying to take me out of my comfort zone. No more in the shadows, no more in fear, but taking me out of my comfort zone because he has already purposed me. Thank you, Jesus. He has already purposed us. And so as I, when I looked at that, I said, okay, the day is getting closer. I'm about to text Bishop like, I can't do this. I'm not ready. And I was like, you know what? I'm the type of person, like, I'm up here. I just got to make it happen. And so I just, the, the thing was, I was feeding myself fear. What if somebody don't get what I'm saying? Or what if they don't receive? Or, you know, just worrying about what people might think or say. Feeding myself fear. But it doesn't matter. God said yes already. And since he said yes already, I have to follow suit. And so since I decided to follow suit, because I'm, I'm here now, I, I, reading this book, like Kyra said, I'm glad I read this book because I probably wouldn't have never picked it up before. 
but it's so much in there, so much meat, so much in there that it was hard just to choose from. But my sister even challenged me, what is God trying to tell you to say from this? And stop living less than, stop living less than what he created you to be. And a lot of times we put so, especially as women, because we're nurturers and we, we're more connected to our emotions, we're putting people ahead of us and it blocks God. It blocks him from speaking to us and allowing us to have that sound mind like he said before. Or in, um, you know, Timothy, when I gave the scripture before. And so, um, so yeah, just negating that. And, and so I get here today, and I'm like, even if no one else received, even if no one else here, I, I was able to change. I was able to see me. I was able to learn more, grow more, see things that were still residual on my heart. And so I just thank God for the opportunity to just stand here and share this with you. And I'm, I hope you all receive something from this as well. And so even in, even in that, you know, um, so going, trying to find my notes where I was, you know, it's on the road right there. <laughs> all right. So just feeding myself fear and fear and fear. And so God is, like I said, calling us out of our comfort zone, wherever you might be comfortable, wherever you feel like, oh, I'm safe, get unsafe, because that's, that's trouble right there. That's trouble right there because God wants to continue to grow us from faith to faith and glory to glory. And so when we allow God to be the head of our lives, our confidence in his Holy Spirit within us, his Holy Spirit within us, will it, it will teach us. It will tell us to go left, low, go right. But you have to be connected. You have to be in communication with God. You have to constantly have that communion with God so that he can lead you and guide you. And when we truly understand that he is our confidence and we stay connected in him and we continue to show and he continue to show us his plans for our lives, I'm telling you, we are some fire Boss, when we allow God to be the head of our lives, when we allow God to let us know who we are, why he created us, no stopping us. And it's not saying that you won't get bumps in the road. It's not saying that everything will be easier. But those tests and trials come to make us stronger when we embrace those. And we can count it all joy. I mean, it's not fun going through it. But when you, when you get through it and when you get out of that attack, when you get out of that storm, you're better. You're radiant. You're shining. And so I would just encourage everyone here, Pray that prayer. God, help me to see me how you see me. God, help me to see me how you see me. Help me to see me how you see me. And when you do that, he will show you. And when he show you, call that woman of God forth. Call her forth. Woman of God, rise up. Woman of God, come forth. Woman of God, rise up. Woman of God, come forth in the name of Jesus. Come forth in the name of Jesus. I call you forth in the name of Jesus. Call her forth and walk that thing out in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.